Pints of a Purpose Newcastle, April 2014, with Trish McCarthy. Good evening. Hi, Aaron. <coughs> Hi, Aaron. <laughs> you might make a start. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam, and welcome to the new rebooted Pints with a Purpose. And uh, this is a, a, a new initiative, a rebooting of an old um, way of doing things and uh, this is just an opportunity for us to gather around in this great atmosphere and uh, to hear from some wonderful speakers of which Trisha is one of those. Um, so we're going to, um, to enjoy some conversation in such a, a great opportunity for us to, to have a drink, have some great conversation and to, uh, and to just be in the presence of each other and of course our God. So, um, we're going to get started with prayer, if that's okay. So we might just be aware of the presence of God in us and around us and amongst us, in our conversations and in the things that we're about to hear, and the alarms and everything else that's around us. We just give thanks for that, and we're just ready to hear whatever it is that we're going to hear tonight. Amen. And we're just going to um, just going to just read a little bit of Trisha's bio. This is uh, Trisha McCarthy, and she is the she's uh. Oh. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could keep up with this person. That's the problem. Is, is, um, just just reading this is a, a real pocket dynamo. I reckon. I think um, she's a part of the Australian Women's Touch Football Team. Um, she's a vibrant and passionate speaker, and her interest is definitely in health and personal development. Um, she is interested in and wants to address with us tonight the importance of faith that is informed by an extensive understanding of human biology and the knowledge that all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and something which accompanies that is that wonderful Psalm 139, which helps us to realise just who we are in, in God's presence. So um, I'm really excited to hear from Trish tonight. And um, the, the format for this evening will be um, to hear from Trish for a while, and then we'll have an opportunity for some questions and some time of reflection and conversation around what it is that Trish has offered for us tonight. And so um, I'll hand over with, to Trish. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for the invite. Um, thanks for the introduction, too. Man. Much appreciated. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's very cool to be here at the very first one. Well, not the first one, but the new, the new look, the new vamped up look. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we can, uh, I can share a few things with you and then you guys can fire up some questions. And uh, even if you, uh, you, know, you don't particularly connect with what I'm saying, then uh, the, the nights are always playing downstairs and you can go and catch the game. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is, it's true. Uh, as, as that introduction said, I, um, I think a lot of this just comes from uh, me kind of in my own journey, understanding the gift of the life that I've been given and how I can use that to serve God in, in the best way that I can. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, so I'm just going to go through a couple of things and, and share a few things and uh, see what comes out of it. I'm, I'm pretty cruisy in terms of, uh, you know, what goes on and what happens, and feel free to fire questions at any stage. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of what I do... I have to do a little bit of research on different stuff, and uh, I was looking up on the on the internet, and I came across this guy who had a really smart idea of uh, he, he was creating this uh, this super app 
and essentially he would uh, he, he wanted to combine uh, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook to make this super app, and he was going to call it UTwitface. So uh, <laughs> that's where I've got all my information from. So if it's anything, uh, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, I want to start off just with starting, yeah, starting from the start and talking about that thing of being fearfully and wonderfully made and how God, how God created us, how he knitted, knitted us together in, in our mother's womb um, and just what that gift of life means. Uh, helping to recognise that and then what it means to kind of live out of that, in a sense, live out in our daily lives, uh, that, that connection, that fingerprint of God that has been left on our hearts. Um, again, some little, uh, just a little bit of, crazy information to start off with this is just a little uh, little insert and it says uh, you're you're worth more than you think so as people do they like to get together and they like to research stuff and, and uh, find out weird all sorts of weird and wonderful things and uh, these people wanted to to break down all the elements and bits and pieces of the human body and work out just how much we're actually worth um, I don't know if you know, but our, our bodies are essentially just a, a culmination, we're obviously more than this, but a culmination of, of vitamins and minerals and, and elements, uh, chemical and biochemical elements. So they, um, they broke it down and they, uh, they came to the thing that we are made up of 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, 3% nitrogen, 1.5% calcium, and then a couple of other things thrown in there like phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, sodium, chlorine, magnesium, iron, and iodine. And uh, they came to the conclusion, based on the uh, stock market value of all those elements at this current stage, we're worth a total of $4.50. <laughs> um, and uh, we know that uh, the largest organ of the body is, uh, is the skin. So they decided they devised a method to, um, to measure this and they uh, plaster cast someone and, and got a plaster cast of their skin and laid it all out um, using bits and pieces. And uh, that, a lot of that $4.50 is uh, $3.50 worth of skin according to the equivalent of cowhide. So, uh, <laughs> but obviously we, know, obviously we know, despite the fact that we can break that down and say you know, we're worth $4.50, we know that we're worth much more than that. Um, and we certainly have much more than that to offer in terms of the gift of our life. I want to show you a, um, a little video. And it, uh, it takes us back to, again, just kind of based on, that, uh, based on that psalm that was mentioned at the start of this. Just recognising and uh, acknowledging the gift, of, uh, the gift of our lives. So it's, um, it's pretty incredible for those of you that, uh, that have kids and for those of you that don't but have no kids. It's, uh, it's quite exciting to see your little kids, especially when they reach certain ages. I've been spending some time with Anne and her family and her sisters. have got a little, little, uh, little boy, Jacob. And uh, hearing the stories, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it just, you know, it makes your day. But I think we forget sometimes that, uh, that, they, that incredible gift of life is, is ours as well. Like we started out like that as well. Um, just to give you a few more, uh, a few more things... 
it gave you a few, uh, few little things there. But our hearts, our hearts beat 100,000 times a day without us even thinking about it. There's 96,500 kilometres of blood vessels, which stems 2,000, two times around the earth, enough to go 2,000, two times around the earth. One strand of DNA is two metres long, and your, your cells, every single cell in your body has one of these. Um, you can pick up uh, 10 million colour distinctions and 10,000 different smells. I'm getting a couple of them right here from this floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's just about to knock me out. Sometimes you wish you couldn't pick up that many. Um, and our, our brains run on enough electricity to run a 10-watt light bulb. That, that's how much electricity it produces. The, um, what we've been given to, uh, to live out our life is quite remarkable, unbelievable. Uh, and I think... Uh, I think... We're called to give of ourselves. That's what we've been created for. Once we understand our relationship and our, our understanding of God in our life and we start to build that relationship, we know that we're called to contribute to something beyond ourselves, don't you? And you guys would have felt that in your own life. Um, whether that be to bringing up a family, whether it be to coaching a footy side, whether it be to uh, writing music for people to enjoy, we're called to contribute to something bigger than ourselves. But we can only give the gift of our belovedness, how, how God sees us, to the extent that we claim it for ourselves. We can only give the gift of our belovedness to the extent that we claim it and understand it for ourselves. And the more that we can, uh, the more we can tap into that, and the more that we can journey into that, I guess the uh, the more alive we become as people. And, uh, and our church needs people who are alive, yeah? They need people who are, who are passionate and on, on fire, who are the best version, the most authentic and genuine version of themselves that they can be. And I think that's very much what, um, I guess, what my journey has been about. Um, you guys would know that, um, that we're not just physical beings, that, uh, that we've been created with a few more aspects to us than that. As we saw, we're, we're worth more than uh, $4.50. If you uh, factor in our emotions, our mind, our thoughts, then it might raise us to about 10 bucks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, but we know. And a lot of what I share tonight, this is stuff that you guys already know, but I reckon for the most part in life, people already know what's going on. They just need to be reminded sometimes and in different ways. So none of what I'm sharing here is, is about teaching you or telling you or, or fixing anything or anything like that. It's just about sharing from my own experience and reminding you of the goodness that already lies within you um, and, and the capacity and the potential. Because sometimes we forget. Life, life comes at us and we, uh, we get a few hard knocks and it can be pretty, pretty challenging at times. And, uh, and we forget just how incredible we are. So we know that there's, these, uh, that there's these three aspects, our mind, our thoughts, our beliefs, our values, our emotions, our ideas. And much of our life starts from here. I don't know if, if you've ever moved a part of your body without thinking about it first or that it hasn't stemmed from something that's taking place in your mind or whether you've uh, had a conversation <laughs> without thinking about it. And I know that we've said things that we don't, you know, we go, oh, man, <laughs> I didn't actually realise I said that or whatever it was, I didn't mean to say that. Um, but it doesn't take place without, without first beginning with the gift of our mind and our thoughts. And we can change a lot of our perspective on life 
by how we manage our emotions and our thoughts and how we uh, communicate with ourselves. You know, the little voice that talks inside your head. And some of us, it's like non-stop. You're like, man, I just wish that thing would shut up <laughs> so I can get some sleep. Um, but looking at those things and saying, well, how can I use this to... Um, how can I, how can I really uh, control it or manage it so that I can, so that I can serve God in the best way that I possibly can? Our spirit, talking about the essence of our soul, our heart, our dreams, our desires. As we talked about that fingerprint of God, that's uh, that's left on our beings. That um, that breath of life that runs through our body. It's hard to um, it's hard to articulate that aspect. But one thing that I've come to know is that this life is not for the body, it's for the soul. That's been my own experience, my own journey. Everything that I experience in and through my life and my, my emotions and my uh, physical being is to prepare and ready my soul for what's to come next, to, uh, to open my eyes to my creator here with me right now. Um, and then, of course, our, uh, our physical and physiological bodies, how we experience life, our five senses. And it's what we've been given to live out our spiritual life. You might have heard that saying that uh, we're... Hang on, let me just get this right. <laughs> you don't want to... We're... Um... <laughs> it's hard to think on the spot. We're uh, spiritual beings having an earthly experience not earthly beings having a spiritual experience every now and then. Yeah? We're spiritual beings, first and foremost, having an earthly experience, a very brief one at that, not the other way around. And it's always a good thing, whenever we're doing something, whenever we're building something, it's always good to begin with the end in mind. And again, you might have heard that. It'd be silly to, um, you know, you can just imagine, you might have even heard, you know, little analogies like this before, but it'd be silly to, uh, you know, for, for a, strapping young lad laying bricks one after the other and uh, you go up and ask him you say what are you doing what are you building well, I'm just laying bricks that doesn't make sense does it for another person it would be you know what I'm building the most magnificent cathedral you have ever seen I can see it it has this it has that it has this it has these stained glass windows right here and I'm putting this brick here for this particular purpose because it's going to do this and that and this it's a very different experience of life when we know and we start with the end in mind. Um, and again, using our bodies to, uh, to do that, using our, our, our mind, our emotion, our heart, our will, everything that God's been given to us. Quite often I think we... Um, I was going to borrow you guys for a second. Annis, will you jump up here? And you can kind of represent... Uh, you can represent our, uh, our sporting life. Yeah? And uh, <laughs> Ali, if you want to jump up. And you can kind of represent our, um, our study our intellectual life. <laughs> and Sean, if you want to jump up, and you can represent, you can represent our social life. <laughs> and uh, is it Mark? Paul. Paul. Sorry, Paul. If you want to jump up, and you can represent our, um, our work life. Yeah? And quite often, I think, if I represent our, our faith and our understanding, our relationship with God, we kind, of, uh, we kind of walk around life sometimes a little bit like this. If everyone wants to uh, just put your hands on each other's shoulders... And you kind of walk through life just going, yep. <laughs> and your faith and your spiritual life is, is kind of stuck here and it's, it can't actually reach and interact with the other aspects of your life. 
But I'm going to get these guys just to uh, form a bit of a circle around me. And you see that when we put our faith in the centre, if you want to come around there, Paul, that our faith and our relationship with God has the capacity to touch and interact with every area of our life. And these guys also interact with each other as well. They cross over in some regards. And it's a bit of... Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a lame... It's a bit of a lame kind of way of uh, doing it. But I guess it's kind of just that visual sense of saying that faith is not something... And you guys know this. Again, you guys know this. Our faith is not something that uh, is separate to our lives. It has to permeate every single aspect and area of my life. That God is present with me in every single moment. Whether I'm having a beer, whether I'm out in the surf, whether I'm on the footy field, whether I'm laughing my head off with Anne about old stories, whatever it is, um, God is there and God is present. And being aware of that presence. And that's when you're really living in the moment. You hear that, you know, that word mindfulness going around these days? Um, and that's a good thing. I, I, I often laugh because a lot of these things that, uh, that come up, they're claiming it as these new, new, new age, new fad kind of things. But they've been around for thousands and thousands of years um, and just been renewed and refreshed. But that mindfulness, living in the moment and watching our thoughts pass through, watching our emotions pass through and claiming it and owning it and naming it and going, yep, that's cool, that's there. And now I'm going to live, live in this moment. I guess one of, the, um, one of the tricky things in life, we often try and... Uh, look to balance those three things, don't we? Or all those aspects of our life. And that can be a little bit tricky because it's a little bit like uh, you've got your life and uh, here's all those things and they're sitting nicely on there and uh, here's, your, here's your place of comfort right here. This is your, this is your capacity to, uh, to experience life. And sometimes we kind of live life going, right, I've got this area of my life, I've got that area, I've got my emotions, I've got uh, my work life, everything's going right, right. Nobody move. Do not change a thing. Do not mess up my balance. Yeah? But uh, that's, not, that's not living in harmony. That's not balance of life. Balance of life, and again, this is where our faith comes into it, is that God will say to us when we're in tune with our minds, our hearts, our bodies, when we listen to our body, when we listen to God, that the Holy Spirit will say, hey, I need you to look at this area of your life for me. And it put a little bit of pressure on there. Yeah? And you have to go, right, what's within my control? What's within my power to respond? And you have to move. You have to move yourself so that that balance and that harmony remains in your life. And you have to address that area that the Holy Spirit's asking you to be present in. Yeah? He says, hey, Trisho, I need you to look at this area for me. And again, within our capacity, within our control, we have to move down that end in order to maintain that balance and that harmony. Do you understand what I'm saying there? That uh, it's not about saying, right, everything must be perfect in order and whatever. That's not how life works. We know that's not how life works. But the Holy Spirit puts that little bit of pressure on our life saying, hey, I need your heart to be here. I need your mind to be here. I need your resources to be here. I need you to be fully present in this aspect of your life. And again, that's, that's not really about uh, trolling everything, making sure that, uh, that you're in control of everything. Because that's kind of acting from a place of fear, isn't it? 
What if? What if I can't handle it? What if I can't do this? What if I can't do that? But it's about responding the best way that we can, that we can choose, we can choose how we're going to respond to certain situations in our life. I want to um, just move on to this little, little topic of the power of words. Because words and how we communicate to ourselves and how we communicate to others has a big impact on how we perceive and experience life. Um, let me just uh, read from James for a second. James has some pretty strong words about words. Clever fella. Let's see if I can find James, actually. Where are you, buddy? Somewhere here. He's only a little one, so he's hard to find in here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, thanks. (laughs) James, he says, Someone who does not trip up in speech has reached perfection and is able to keep the whole body in a tight rein. Oh, interesting. So there he's talking about our communication, what we communicate to ourselves, what we communicate to others, and impacts on our whole body. So once, once we put a bit in the horse's mouth to make it, what we, make it do what we want, we have the whole animal under control. Or think of a ship, no matter how big they are, even a gale driving them, they are directed by a tiny rudder, wherever the whim of the helmsman decides. So the tongue is only a tiny part of the body, but its boasts are great. He goes on to say, We use it to bless the Lord and Father, but we also use it to curse people who are made in God's image. The blessing and the curse come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, this must be wrong. Does any water supply give a flow of fresh water and salt water out of the same pipe? No more can seawater yield fresh water. Well, there was, a little bit, there was a little bit in there I jumped to. But anyway, you get the idea. I was going to... Um, yeah, okay, I'll get you up to do this. Let's have a bit of fun with this. Oh, no. Got to turn it on first. It always helps. Ooh. Oh, that's not going to work. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kind of rolling with it here. We've got a couple of volunteers that uh, don't mind a little bit of acting or a little bit of, uh, you know, getting involved with stuff. Two volunteers. (laughs) Good work, Liz. Anyone else? (laughs) Have you been dobbed in? Yes. Okay, now I need one of you to um, stand right here. Ooh, don't mind that. And if you can stand right over here for me, you need to see the. Uh, you need to be able to see the screen, and you're not allowed to see the screen. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a minute to uh, to work through these words. A little bit like charades. Okay. So work through these words. You're not allowed to say the word, obviously. <laughs> oh, cool, you know how it works. Brilliant. And uh, Lucy, you've got to try and guess what this is, okay? So I'm going to bring up this list here, and I'm going to give you... Uh, we'll go for a minute and a half. Ready? Yep, set, go. Am I allowed to talk? Yeah, you can talk. You play it and Dad doesn't know. Rugby. No, the word for like the three of them. 
Four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One. If you go camping, you sleep in a tent. Um, a sailor drives a boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, mum, it's an Italian dish and mum makes it and she puts Caroline. it in. No, she bakes it. She bakes it. Spaghetti bolognese. Yeah. Um, you just did this to my room. Painted. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are on fire. Is, uh, jacket. Yeah. You cut your... Uh, yeah, 20 seconds. Hair. Yeah. Bob. No, but what did she do to make it like that? Chop. <laughs> yes, but what did hairdresser do? No, what does the hairdresser do? Cutting. Put <laughs> it together. Cutting hair. Close enough. Close enough. So open that. Five seconds. Oh, you can't look at it. Um, <laughs> you open up. And what do you use to open it? Handle. Yeah. Yes. Well done. Well done. Very impressive. Thank you, girls. Would anyone like to compete against them and see if they can get any more? No? <laughs> that was just a little bit of fun, but um, that communication is so important. And how we, uh, how we communicate to self and others has a really significant impact, as I said, on how we experience life. A couple of more little facts. For those who like facts and figures, apparently there's about 750,000 English words available for us to use. On average, we use about, what do you reckon? How big is your vocabulary, do you think? What was that? Significant? <laughs> I like it, I like it. About 2,000. The average person's vocabulary is about 2,000 words. There's 8,000 words in the Bible. And uh, Shakespeare used about 24,000 words, most of which he made up. So I don't know if you can claim those are words or not. <laughs> Another couple of interesting things is that there's 4,000 words to describe emotion. We have about 400 of those to describe our positive feelings, which leaves about 3,600 to describe our negative feelings. So it's no wonder we, we always feel like worse than, you know, we do good most of the time for some people. But words actually have a, uh, a biochemical, physiological effect on the body. And as I said, both how we experience life, but also our well-being. It's very different to say, I feel really depressed. If you're depressed, it's a pretty serious matter. Yeah, pretty serious medical condition, to be honest. It's very, very different to saying, oh, man, I'm just having a bad day. Completely different experience within your own body. Um, I want to try, a, uh, try another thing. Sean, would you mind helping me out? Sure. <laughs> Brilliant. Can you just jump up here for me? And again, I don't know if... Uh, I don't know, this, this, is, this is only the second time I've done this. Yeah, maybe just here for me, if that would want. What I want you to do, Sean, is to... Uh, is to really want you... I'm going to give you a statement to say. Actually, I'm going to do this first. If you can uh, put your arms out like this. Now I'm going to uh, put some pressure on Sean's arms and just see how he, uh, how he responds, okay? So he's... Oh yeah, he's a pretty strong dude. <laughs> Sean, what I'd like you to do is to say for me and really embody this, really, really animate it. No, you can any way you want to. <laughs> I'm a weak and unworthy person. And I want you to say that about ten times and really embody it as much as you can. I'm a weak and unworthy person. 
I'm a weak and unworthy person. Come on, say it like you mean it, Sean. <laughs> you are. You are. I'm a weak and unworthy person. I'm a weak and unworthy person. I'm a weak and unworthy person. How many of you? Two more, two more. I'm a weak and unworthy person. I'm a weak and unworthy person. Okay, put your hands out, Sean. I'm going to try this again. Just about the same pressure, but you can see there's a little bit of difference. Now, Sean, I want you to say, I'm a strong and worthy person. And again, I want you to really embody that, yeah? I'm a strong and worthy person. I'm a strong and worthy person. Say it like you mean it, Sean. Come on, you are. You are, Sean. I'm a strong and worthy person. You man. I'm a strong and worthy person. Absolutely. A couple more times. Two more times. I'm a strong and worthy person. I'm a strong and worthy person. Brilliant. Let's do this again. Again, same pressure. Again, like, I kid you not, like I don't know Sean, I didn't set him up, I didn't, uh, but you can see the difference in what that statement has had in terms of his capacity to, uh, to hold himself up. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and you notice that, uh, that even Jesus, even Jesus would, um, would not, directly, uh, not directly answer a question that came from a, uh, came from a place of fear. And, uh, and uncertainty. He would reword it, reshape it, and direct it to the thing that, uh, to the area of their heart that he really wanted them to look at. Have you ever noticed that in some of the stories, some of the scripture stories? He would, yeah, as I said, he would be a little bit indirect or a little bit, uh, or he wouldn't, wouldn't even bother with some questions. Um, <clears throat> so I guess in many ways, we're invited to, uh, to do the same. And I've got a little activity one of the things that I like to do, they say that um, <clears throat> one of the reasons that there's so much violence in certain places, and particularly uneducated places, is that they haven't got the, the words to be able to ex- express what it is that they're experiencing. And it's one of the reasons violence will always be with us, particularly in those areas. Because you, you guys probably would have experienced it yourself. When you get to that point, and you're so worked up, and you're just like, oh, but you <laughs> Yeah? And you just let out this noise of I don't know what. Um, but the more that we can uh, expand our vocabulary to put words on what it is that we're experiencing in life, I don't know how to finish that sentence. It helps a lot. <laughs> you guys kind of get where I'm going with that. Um, one of the things that I like to do is to choose a word that I use regularly and see if I can come up with uh, a couple of different alternatives to that particular word that has the same meaning. But something that has either a little less intensity or that's a little bit little more relevant. And we had an example over here earlier tonight, yeah, when I was talking about big and uh, we heard significant come out. So I want to, um, you don't have to do this now and you don't have to take one if you don't want one. But I'm going to leave with you a little sheet that enables you to uh, identify a couple of words that you guys use regularly and uh, see if you can change them or transform them into different words that you can use, expand your vocabulary a little bit, and even jot down some of the effects that it has during your week, over the week. So if you want to take one, you're more than welcome. And it's just to help you out, rather than going to the dictionary, I've uh, got a couple of lists of words that might get you started there as well. So get creative with that. As I said, you don't have to take one if you don't want one, but they're there to, um, to hand them around. How are we going? Are you guys going okay? As I said, uh, yeah, right, this is... Uh, this is all over, the, all over the place a little bit. And I'm just kind of uh, touching on a few things 
that I've learned on my own journey, and hopefully it's um, something you guys can take away and at least think about. Part of the reason, I believe part of this is about uh, experiencing, as I said, different speakers and different insights. But this is more about encouraging you guys to start exploring in your own life because the richness of our faith and of our church is unbelievable, unbelievable. I've found that on my journey, it's, um, I guess it's a little bit like, uh, I, love to, uh, I love to travel, I've been travelling around Australia though, and uh, one of my friends has never done much of Australia at all, they, uh, they chose to go off overseas, and I was like, wow, how can you go off overseas without exploring your own backyard first? The first time I went overseas, I was about 30, 31, 32, something like that. That was the first time I'd been overseas. Lots of people go over when they're 18, 19, when they've just finished school. Um, but it took me that long to, because uh, I really wanted to do my own backyard first. And I guess I was talking to a mate of mine, and we are talking about this. And uh, she then threw in the question a little bit later on down the conversation about well, what do you think of Buddhism? And my response tied back into our experiences of travelling. And I said to her, everything that I've ever needed, I've found in my own backyard, in my own Catholic faith. There isn't anything that I haven't experienced. There isn't anything that I've encountered or needed that hasn't been, been able to be fulfilled within my own Catholic faith. Um, and it's true with my travels around Australia. You know, I reckon we've just got the best backyard ever and uh, everything we need is here. We've got snowfields, we've got beautiful beaches, we've got mountains to climb, we've got rivers to drown ourselves in and, you know, go whitewater rafting down and ride motorbikes through the bush and all that stuff I love to do growing up. Um, so, yeah, I don't, yeah hopefully, that's, uh, hopefully that kind of makes sense to you. Um, mm. I might, just, uh, I might just throw it out there at this point. I know that we're, uh, we've still got a little while, but it'd be good to hear from you guys about uh, some of the things that, yeah, some of the things that you guys want to uh, hear about in a sense. Just open it up to uh, whatever. Any questions so far? No one's gone off to the footy so far, so that's. Uh, reserved and that's something that's um, just of late actually I've felt particularly uh, challenged to be a little bit more a little bit more out there with but I've, I've been reserved out of choice and uh, I wanted to very much make sure that um, when I think about my life and I think about if I wanted to name the top three values in my life kind of the little lenses through which all my decisions and all that kind of stuff is made uh, it's love integrity and adventure so if I come up to a, uh, a choice in life, 
and I have to choose between something, they're the kind of the, uh, the lenses that I'll kind of go through. What's the, most, what's the most loving thing to do in this situation? What's the most thing, what has the most integrity? Which choice? So I guess I'm kind of wanting to make sure that my life has integrity, that my actions and my words match up. And uh, I honestly believe that people uh, watch more about what you do rather than what you say. And it's about how I treat those people on the team and those people that I interact with. Um, whether that's consistent with, you know, what I'm living and learning in my own background, you know, in the, in the, when the lights are off and I'm just living on my, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, I haven't been particularly vocal about it. I don't, um, if I'm asked directly, then I'll respond honestly. Uh, I certainly don't hold anything back in that regard. But I wait till people ask me before I, um, yeah. And, and it's very much about just the way I live my life. Yeah. And as I say, you know, making sure that, um, that my faith's not that thing that I'm just not going off to Mass on a Sunday, but uh, it permeates every, every conversation that I have, everything that I do, every, uh, how I respond to winning a game or losing a game or, uh, you know, how I fuel my body or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm the what happens when you go away and recording and you want to go to Mass on Sunday? Well, the other team aren't, are not, you know, religious by any sense, but so what happens there? Yeah, I just make it happen. It's a, it's a non-negotiable. There's been a couple of times where it's just been impossible, but um, in terms of some, like, a couple of the teams that I've been associated with, um, it either falls that, uh, that, I'm, that I make it happen on that weekend or usually there's a Sunday night one that we're returning from a tournament or something like that and I get to the, get to the Sunday night one and don't make a big fuss about it. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a non-negotiable, generally speaking, yeah. yeah. And sometimes every now and then I've kind of said, hey, guys, I'm just, I'm just heading off to, uh, to Mass. Sometimes a little bit less indirect, less indirect saying, oh, I'm just going to go up to meet up with a friend and, uh, yeah, off I go. If I don't feel comfortable or safe, you know, sharing that kind of stuff. Actually, I had a really good experience once when I was away with a group of touch footballers and like, obviously I taught in a Catholic school so they knew I was a practising Catholic. But there was a young bloke there, I was a young bloke there, and um, he actually said to me, oh, Mick, um, you're a Catholic, you, you, you go to church? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go to church. Every Sunday? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, I don't want to go with you this weekend. Like, we're away playing touch. Yep. I said... I was actually going to give it a miss this weekend. Because <laughs> uh, I'm away and I just thought, oh, you know, it yeah. wasn't going to fit in with the, everything that was happening. Yeah. And, um, but he, he reminded me that that's what he wanted to do. And so we up and went. And we had to trek quite a way to, to, uh, to go to church. And that. But it was, it was a really nice experience that someone recognised that that's who you are. Yep. And they were there. Like, we were rooming together. So he was there to say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. So yeah, sometimes yeah. I think... They know who you are and and what and what you hold. Like it's what you witness. I think it's Pope Francis chose Francis as a name because it's about who we are as a person. What we witness, yes, is um, you know speaks louder than words. Yep. And I think Francis said, the Saint Francis said that sometimes I use words, but mostly it's by my actions, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I like that sense that, that people know who you are. That's being authentic. Yes. Yeah. 
Yep. Anyway, I'm holding the microphone, so I'm sure others, <laughs> sure others have got ideas. So sure. <laughs> Actually, I, I love your quote before, and I've heard it from Michael Himes about we are spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a spiritual experience. Mm. I think that's a, a wonderful way to look at, at life. So Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yep, keeping it all in perspective. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, you spoke to us a little bit about your uh, trips around Australia, I guess, and that's, uh, you know, the analogy of it being your own backyard, just like your faith is your backyard. Mm. was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your um, faith journey and your faith experience. Yeah. I've been lucky enough to um, be surrounded by my faith for, for all of my life, essentially. Um, I've had uh, great role models in mum and dad. Not perfect, but, but great role models. And uh, when we talk about, um, you know, that f- the family being the first experience of church and, and God and that kind of thing, um, their witness and their love and acceptance of me was definitely my first experience, obviously looking back, of encountering and understanding God's love for me. Um, which was a, a massive... I know that uh, not everyone has that, uh, has that advantage or that, you know, that place to start in life. Um, so I guess being, uh, being brought up in that, knowing that I was loved and accepted and appreciated was certainly a, a really beautiful and lucky way to start my life. Um, from there, I guess it was, it was very much a... Uh, I guess I kind of felt particularly in, uh, in high school and that sort of stuff, finding my way through high school, I felt very different from a lot of the people that I, was, um, that I went to school with. Um, not particularly fitting in in, uh, in one area or the other. I was good at my sport and I was respected for that, so that's always a bonus. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, friendships and relationships, I found it very difficult to, uh, to kind of fit in to various groups. And I ended up spending a lot of time on my own just reflecting about that and what does life mean and where do I fit and why don't I fit and you know again sometimes asking those questions that could have been rephrased a little bit better you know what's wrong with me well nothing's wrong with you Trish (laughs) you've just been created differently you know Um, not better or worse just differently from others and when you start to rephrase those questions when I started to rephrase those questions I guess I started to learn a little bit more about how God sees me um, and it didn't matter so much how how others saw me um, and as I kind of journeyed in through that, my, uh, as I said, my, my sport was always a really big priority in my life, and I thought that was my, uh, my purpose and my reason for existing. I thought that was, uh, yes, I found my purpose in life. And I remember uh, walking into the kitchen one day and uh, saying to mum, you know, touch footy is the reason I live. I live for touch footy. And I was so excited about the fact that I'd found my purpose in life. And uh, she responded with a, Oh, well, that's not very good. <laughs> and I was shattered. I was shattered. I was like, oh. <laughs> Walked out with a tail between my legs. Um, but she was right. As I, uh, as I look back, I, uh, I had an experience whereby I had been named on the, um, the Australian 18s squad. And the night before the HSC, they rang me up to say that I'd been dropped from the squad uh, with no, no apparent reason or whatever it was. And again, like I felt that uh, my, my own understanding, my identity had been pulled out from underneath me. Um, and that was again a catalyst for going deeper into well, what is my real purpose? If my purpose isn't touch footy and uh, whatever, um, what am I doing? You know, why am I here? What, what do I have to offer? 
Um, again, I was lucky enough to kind of fall into relationships that supported me in my faith journey. And that, it wasn't just luck, it was, it was a choice as well. We have to make those choices to surround ourselves with people who are going to support us, encourage us and call us on and challenge us. Um, yeah, so surrounding myself with those people, on the, like-minded people on the same journey and, uh, and, and helping them to reflect in me who I was, uh, my identity. Uh, obviously, they had their own relationship and journey with God. And it's probably a truer reflection of who I was than what I was getting from my touch footy mates in different areas of my life. Um, it's a little bit like uh, when you go to Lunar Park or something like that and you go to those, all those funny mirrors and you have those big, big round ones and tall skinny ones and you, have this, you get this, depending on the mirrors you choose, you have this distorted view of who you are. Um, so you've got to choose, for me it was an understanding of you've got to choose your mirrors carefully. You've got to choose who you're going to listen to in terms of reflecting back to, reflecting back to yourself of who you are. Um, saturating myself in my faith was a big part of, of growing into the person that I am. Opening up all those things, always asking questions and learning, um, watching what other people did, watching people's lives and seeing the difference that their faith made in their life or that they didn't make and saying, hey, I don't want to be like that person that says, yeah, I go to Mass every Sunday, but it's a completely different story in terms of the way they speak to people, the way they, whatever it is. Um, making time for sacraments, making time for retreats. I'm a bit of a uh, contemplative at heart. I love to go off into the bush, into the sticks for seven, eight days at a time on silent retreat or retreat itself and, uh, and really open that up, open up my relationship with God and asking the questions that I need answered, you know, being real with God in those times. In my everyday life, being committed to, um, you know, always being committed to making time for prayer in my life and quiet time in my life. It's, uh, yeah, in terms of my faith journey, it's always challenging, isn't it, a faith journey? It's, uh, and it's unique to each person as well, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It hasn't really hasn't really answered your question, but um, yeah, you certainly have. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks very much for sharing. Yeah, just knowing that uh, that everything I need is available to me. Like God has God has given us the universe. He's given us everything that we need, and uh, part of that is just going on that journey and discovering that and opening that up with Him. Yeah. Thanks very much. No worries. More questions. I'm not sure if we stretched that far, James. <laughs> Hi, Trish. Thanks very much for your talk and for the answer you just gave as well. Just got a follow-on question from it, essentially. Yeah. Um, you talked about how you like to take time to go away and ask questions of God and, and pray. Mm. Um, I think that's obviously something which we all do in our lives is ask questions and, and pray, but the difficult thing can be um, hearing answers or, or knowing where to look for answers. And I was wondering if you could share a bit on um, where you found the answers to your prayers or to those questions in your life from God. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, James. If it's not too personal, sorry. <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. Um, I certainly believe that, uh, that God puts people in your life at certain times for certain reasons and, uh, and he asks you to listen to them and to watch them and to learn from them. Um, so people, key people in my life, 
probably even prior to that, is very much about developing, as we do for our own physical bodies, you know, people go on these boot camps and all that kind of stuff, um, but developing within our own sense that muscle of discernment, uh, being able to, to understand what's from God and, uh, and what's not, what's, uh, what's drawing us closer to God and, uh, and what doesn't bring us peace and joy and those fruits of the Spirit in our life. Um, so anything that uh, God can talk, God can you know enter into our lives in so many different ways. Uh, he's such a creative, such a creative dude. <laughs> um, he uses our emotions. He uses our will. He uses uh, people. He uses creation. He uses you know he uses the things that are going to speak to us personally. Uh, those things that we're most in tune with. Um, so in terms of, yeah, finding the answers, a lot of them, like the, the answers don't come like that. Uh, it's, it's about living the answers for me. So I'll ask a question and then uh, for the next however long until I feel at peace with that, I'll be attentive to those things, like to those little bits of the puzzle in my life. Um, one of those, one of the, one of the key things that you often hear is that what you look for, you will find. And you know that when you're buying a car, and uh, you might be looking for a Rav Four, you want to buy a Rav Four, and then for some bizarre reason, every second car that drives past is a Rav Four. <laughs> yeah. So you very much know the realness of what you look for, you will find. And if we ask God a question, I honestly believe that uh, that He will bring to light those things, the little pieces of the puzzle, and eventually. You, you live out the answer to that question. Um, and again, he's, he, he uses his, yeah, his creative, his creativeness is incredible. Um, certainly my study, so doing some study in theology, uh, getting an understanding of the faith and, and why the church teaches what it does and all that sort of stuff has been very helpful for me. Um, certainly the scriptures, for me, uh, making sure that the Holy Spirit is alive in my life, uh, hearing those scriptures is phenomenal and uh and you know it strikes a chord you know there's something going on in your life and you go to mass and the reading is about that particular aspect of your life you're like oh <laughs> i'm glad i listened to that one <laughs> um yeah so the question question again from, i think uh, i feel that you've you've answered it but yeah it's just about where do you find those answers to the questions um, yeah. How does God speak to you? But yeah, yeah, thank, yeah, yeah. You've answered that. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Any more questions before we finish up? There's probably just um, one more little uh, one more little clip that I wouldn't mind uh, wouldn't mind showing. It doesn't. I guess uh, the perspective that I've been coming from. It's helping us to understand that uh, one of the best ways to approach life and approach faith and, and all this, this journey is a very integrated approach. That uh, the things that we use to fuel our body, whether it be food, whether it be uh, you know, all the different aspects of our life, have a significant impact on, on our physical being. And that's the very thing that we've been given to experience and express life and, and to live this spiritual journey. Um, from the words that we choose to use... To, uh, to getting out and being a part and allowing God to speak to us through creation and life and the different events and things that happen to our life. 
to uh, developing our, our spiritual being, understanding discernment and how God speaks to us in our own unique way, um, listening to the people and choosing, choosing those mirrors in our life that are going to reflect back to us how God sees us in truth. Um, life is a very integrated experience and we can't just cut off each of those uh, little aspects and live them separately. We have to enter into life and to live for God with our whole being, with our whole being. Um, and although this clip doesn't uh, exactly speak into that, it is a very powerful clip, and it might not have anything to do with what we're talking about tonight. Anyway, <laughs> it is a very powerful clip, and it, uh, it, speaks of, it speaks of God's choice in choosing us and, uh, and the impact that we can have when we integrate ourselves when we, uh, when we get all those little parts of our life in order and, uh, and contribute to something beyond ourselves, something bigger than ourselves, coming to know and understanding ourselves and the way God sees us and, uh, and contributing to something bigger than ourselves. My favorite quote of all time was our furnace repairman comes into the house, stops dead in his tracks, and says, this looks like some kind of United Nations meeting. I was born in Bangkok. Bangalore, India. Connecticut. I was born in Romania. Ethiopia. Which is in Africa. And China. <laughs> Sharon is the gas pedal, and I am the brakes. Over and over she'll say, I found this child who needs X and Y and Z, and all we have to do is fly over the ocean, get funding, connect the staff to here, and it be done. We're such victims of our culture because our culture tells us your kids have to look perfect and be in all the perfect schools, and you can't do that with a big family, but if you just concentrate on what's important, the rest will follow. People discouraged us. They thought we were going to ruin our lives by taking all these special kids, and they said, you don't know what to do. And it's true that we had no experience, and we didn't really know how to raise them. But you, you see what happens with unconditional love. You give a person unconditional love, and they, they blossom. I feel like having these kids has really helped us find our life, find our meaning, find our purpose. It took me decades to figure this out, but there's no physical thing that you can buy that's actually going to give you true peace and happiness. And the pure joy that will come from a, a rescue and a ransom of a child's life is probably the most satisfying thing you can imagine.
we talk about adoption, we tell them they're adopted, and we kind of tell them, you know, being born into a family, you don't even decide that, it kind of happens biologically, but when you're adopted, your parents looked out at the whole world and picked you. You think that they don't really know the gravity of them being rescued or saved. Then you'll see them in an external setting, like one of them is in front of 300 people last Friday night, and he tells people that he probably wouldn't be alive if he hadn't been adopted by his family. Those are the, like the goosebump moments when you go, he's got it. In Romania, at least at the time when I was born, um, when you were when you were born with a, a deformity, quote quote, it um, it was considered a curse by God. I was um, kind of distanced and not treated right, and kind of not really getting any care that a, a normal baby should, which is why when I was one and a half years old, I weighed nine pounds. It was rough in the, in the first year of my life, but I lived. But no matter where you were before, it's like where you can be now, your past doesn't define that. This family has proven that. It's just like you have a dying boy from Romania or starving kids from Africa, and you bring them to a, a place where they can be, I guess, human to the fullest, and that, that's, that's a generous thing. Family is everything. Family's fun. <laughs> Interesting. Because family is just people you can be a fool around and they'll still love you. Awesome. No, should I do the Dennehy face? Family is something that I can count on. Family is adoption. Now, I guess just in uh, kind of summing that up, there's a lot that you can take from that. It's a pretty powerful clip. But uh, I think it's pretty cool that, uh, that that concept that God looked out over the whole world and chose you. And he's chosen each one of us for something different. He's chosen us for greatness, to not forget our goodness and our dignity and our worth and our strength and our courage. And that he doesn't forget about the little things in our life. I mentioned that uh, just before my HSC, my dream of playing for Australia was shattered. And it was nearly a 20-year journey before I got the opportunity again. As I stood there only 12 months ago, 
singing the Australian anthem, I thought, oh, yeah, this is cool. But it was absolutely nothing compared to the journey God had taken me on over that 17 years and, and, and the person that he'd brought me and created me to be and understanding that and still living, still living out those answers. And I believe that would true, be true for each one of us here tonight as well, that, uh, that we are created for greatness. Don't forget that. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Well, so many things to think about and so many challenging and wonderful um, thoughts to, to go away with tonight, I think. So thank you very much, Trish, for, for coming and being with us and for, um, for starting off Pints with a Purpose. And I think uh, we couldn't have chosen a better speaker, so thank you very much for coming. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Um, I just I sat there and I wrote down some of the amazing things that you said and um, I, I wish I had time to just even mention some of them but um, there are so many great things uh, things like the muscle of discernment like some of the words and the phrases that you've left with us tonight are just um, fantastic and I think we've all um, we all can go away with something so thank you so much for being here um, we've got a, a couple of things to do we're just going to to pass around a bit of a, a hat I think if um, Better pay for uh, Trisha's petrol for home, so um, <laughs> so she can make it all the way back to Wollongong. Are you heading back there tonight, or are you staying? Oh, you're staying up here tonight. Well, that's great. Um, so we yeah we might uh, get a bit of a, a schooner glass or something or other to uh, to collect some some cash if that would be fantastic. And um, on behalf of um, on behalf of uh, Pints with Purpose, we give you uh, this. And don't drink that on the way home. But uh, thank you. Uh, for everyone who's uh, come tonight and celebrated with us. And um, we've got a few little um, things to remind you about. So if I can invite James just to come up and tell us about some of the things that are happening over Holy Week and some of the things that are coming up next. Our next Pints with a Purpose in a month's time is going to be uh, Kath Evans, who, of course, if you um, don't know, is the, the lady who received the second miracle from, from Mary McKillops. So um, we're going from one miracle to another. Um, and uh, so she'll be speaking here in a month's time. So I'll hand over to James. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Trish. Um, yep, as Adam said, a few quick notices. Uh, Seven at Sacred Heart is on again this Wednesday. Um, in case anyone doesn't know what that is, it's um, adoration in it, the cathedral. Um, it's a great opportunity, particularly in Lent, for us to take some time out, um, pray, reflect, be in the presence of Jesus, and also get to meet some of the other people in the community. So after that, there's a meal. Um, I think there's actually going to be a, a meal at the cathedral uh, this week. So it'd be great to see you all there. Finally, Big Rose Show, uh, coming face-to-face, is our retreat this year, the Diocesan Retreat. Um, I have to give that a plug tonight because I think it really links into some of the themes that were brought out in, in your talk, uh, particularly removing those distortions which affect the way that we perceive ourselves. So removing the negative influences on our perception and finding ways to, to discover how God sees us and how that can help us to lead a more fulfilling life. So, you know, I think a lot of those messages were coming out tonight. So um, that's in June. Um, I believe it's the 28th. I can get the date. 27th, 28th, 29th. I said, I, I believe. There we go. 27th to the 29th um, at Camp Elam Foster. So... It's a bit of a, a trip up there, but it's a great facility, and you will be seeing plenty of information about that in our newsletter. If you are not subscribed to our newsletter, please talk to Elroy after this, and we'll get your details and get you subscribed. 
and like our Facebook page. And uh, it'd be great if you guys want to like post which got there or if you feel like posting anything about this event that'd be great and we get the word out and have more people along next time. I'll give you back to Adam.